stand to your feet. Let's all stand and sing together this morning. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Amen. Page 56 this morning. When we all get to heaven, we'll do the first, second, and last verse today. Page number 56 this morning. Josh opens us up in prayer. Pray for Sister Nadine Allen. I've already put this out, but uh, she is at home. Cannot have visitors right now, but pray for Nadine. Brother Edwards as well. Uh, and then Sister Helen King, she is not well this morning. Pray for her. And then two requests that I want you uh, to be really praying about. Brother uh, Tim's grandmother, which is Sue Helbert's mom, is in surgery now uh, uh, for kidney issues uh, over at Bristol. Pray for her. And then Brother Johnny Martin. Uh, Brother Johnny has uh, told me I can share this. In fact, has asked me to share this. Uh, he has is home, uh, but has stage four pancreatic cancer. Uh, they discovered it while he was there at the hospital. Uh, he is uh, had a difficult day yesterday, so the family is asking to please pray for him. And uh, his spirits are terrific, uh, and that's uh, half the battle. But uh, you pray for the Lord's intervention divine there and help the family during this difficult time as well. Josh, take us to the throne of grace. Pray for these requests. And let's pray for services today. Ask the Lord to meet with us. Joshua, pray for us, buddy. Heavenly Father God, we just come to you this morning, Lord. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house once again. Lord, we don't take it for granted that every opportunity that we have to be here, Lord. And we thank you for a church that has its doors open on a Sunday morning. And Lord, we just thank you so much for being kind to us, God. And we thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for us, Lord. Because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be here. And Lord, I just thank you so much for your blessings on my life, Lord, and blessings on this church. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us in the coming year, God. I pray that we'll be able to serve you more than we ever have before, Lord. I, I pray that we'll grow closer to you, God, throughout the year. And Lord, I just pray that it'll be a 
New Year's resolution for each and every person in this building, Lord. No matter how close we are to you, we can never be close enough. Lord, I just thank you so much once again for what you've done in my life, yes, Lord. And yes, yes. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the services today, God. I pray that you'll be with Brother Greg as he brings us the message, Lord. Lord, I pray that if there be one person here this morning, Lord, that's lost, God, I pray that they'll come to know you as their personal Savior, Lord, before 2019 ever begins. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll keep a hedge of protection around this church, Lord. And, Lord, just be with the choir as we sing. I pray that it'll be a blessing. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I think all of you have to admit the fact sometimes life's tribulations and trials can be difficult. Challenges can be overwhelming, but would you amen this morning? There's nothing you go through that he doesn't go through with you. And there's no prayer that you pray that he can't answer. You listen now, one of my favorite songs. First song Kyle ever wrote. I hope it'll bless your heart. Father 
brother and he rolled me over the time I've never had a friend he couldn't answer and I've never shed a circumstances, trials, and tribulations. But if you look back over the last 12 months, you'd have to lift up your hands and say, he's a good God. I want you to listen to Marcia as she sings this one more time.
back upon this journey since the day that I first met him so Oh, he's good.
wonderful job as always. Appreciate that. Several announcements that I want to give to you this morning. Most of these are in your bulletin. One is not. I'll go through them quickly this morning. First of all, uh, tomorrow night uh, is the watch night service uh, at Wayside Baptist. Uh, that begins at 730. Uh, several preachers will be preaching. Uh, and then, of course, praying in the new year. Wayside will be serving breakfast at midnight uh, right after the services. We'll have a wonderful time of fellowship. We are canceling our evening services tonight. Uh, and we'll have the watch, enjoy the watch night service tomorrow night and we'll resume our regular uh, schedule on Wednesday night uh, at 7 o'clock. Awanas begins a week from Wednesday so we'll have regular preaching and Bible study uh, and prayer time this Wednesday night. Awanas beginning on January the 9th. Please keep that in mind if you would. And then we are looking for folks to help uh, with the college meals again this semester, this spring term. Semester begins on Tuesday, January the 15th. Uh, my wife and I will be doing the first two meals uh, which means Pizza Hut and KFC right there. Amen. Uh, so uh, we're looking for a few other folks to help out. Uh, if you would, please sign up over in our postal area as always. Uh, we've got the information in there. I'm going to keep this for several weeks about how to access our online directory. A few folks have asked in the past uh, when uh, families would join, uh, I would always include their information in the bulletin. I'm including the information to the online directory now because all of that is updated regularly when new families join. So you can can access all of that information in the online directory there. Keep that in mind if you would. And then, uh, of course, uh, the 2019 tithing envelopes are here. If you haven't gotten yours, uh, see Miss Leanne today. She'll make sure that uh, we take care of that. Just also a reminder that the second Saturday of the month is our nursing home ministry. Uh, that'll be it uh, on January the 12th, so please keep that in mind if you would. And finally, as we've always put over there, if you'd like to receive updates regarding any prayer request announcements as they come out and you're not in our online system, you put your name and information at the bottom of the bulletin and drop that in the offering plate. Before the little ones come up, I'm going to talk to everybody real quickly about a little policy change that we're doing for 2019. Uh, this will be a good thing, I think, and I want to update everybody quickly. Take five minutes if you'll indulge me. And for you to understand this, I need to go back in time for about eight years ago when our churches first merged. Uh, we merged in May and that summer. Uh, we had some folks utilize the downstairs facility uh, for a couple of different weekends, and uh, this was all new for me, trying to uh, help with a child care facility, and things did not get put back correctly, and one Monday morning, Department of Social Services walked in and wrote us up. Uh, so when that happened, I told Miss Pam that uh, we would stop that immediately and we would no longer use the downstairs facility because it is a child care facility and it's a business. And we've always utilized the teen area over here for folks who uh, needed a facility, church folks who needed a facility. We, uh, because we have outgrown that in there, and I know a lot of you this year uh, had to make some alternative arrangements because that just wasn't large enough, and I understand that. It's, we've, uh, I love it when we have these kind of growth problems. These are good problems to have. I've uh, chatted with Miss Pam, and we're going to do a kind of a six-month test pilot of using the facility downstairs on weekends if needed. And let me stress this. This is only for our church folks. This is not outside of church uh, for reasons that I think you understand. When you pick and choose who can and cannot use a facility uh, outside your church, then you open yourself up to lawsuits. So our policy is very clear. Only church members in good standing have access to that. Uh, I've drawn up a very, very strict 
very, very strict list of do's and don'ts for downstairs. So if you uh, need that facility, uh, you can see myself, Brother Ken. When you read that list, you're going to say, good golly, Miss Molly, what was he thinking? Here's what he was thinking. That's a business. And it's got to be our number one priority. Uh, and so I want to make sure that whatever happens downstairs does not impede our Department of Surf Social Service credentialing for a child care center. Uh, so uh, you will, you'll see that when you get the list of things that have to happen if you choose to utilize that facility. So again, I want to make that aware to you so that you'll know if in the last eight years you've been told you cannot use the facility, that was 100% my decision. So you can get mad at me, but I was trying to make sure that uh, we did not have any more issues. Candidly, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we don't, and if we follow what's on the list, everything will be fine. We're going to test it out for six months and see how it does and hopefully be able to continue from there. Also want to let you know that if you choose, it will be weekends only. We cannot monitor it during the week and the next morning at 6 a.m. It's got to be up and ready for our child care facility. And so one of the pledges that I made to Miss Pam is that we would make sure on Sundays, if anyone used it over the weekend, we would make sure that it is set up and ready by the time Monday morning rolls around. So uh, wanted to bring that to your attention. All right. Uh, uh, one other thing that is in your bulletin that we need help with this coming Saturday. Uh, we got to take all of this down. Uh, uh, wasn't a fantastic production this year. One, one just one of the I just was blown away by it. And I have to tell you, that guy who played pilot was something else, wasn't he? Yeah, man, boy, was he good. But anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we got to take all of this down this coming weekend. We're going to meet. We need got ladies, gentlemen, men, women, anybody that can help us at 8 a.m. Uh, and uh, we'll get all of this taken down uh, and set back up and make our church look uh, uh, professional again. We'll need anybody that can help us. We should be done by 11. Uh, and then at 12 o'clock, uh, uh, there's going to be a little party here for Dexter, who will be turning one-year-old. And... Uh, Josh and Jesse told me to invite the whole, can you believe that kid's a year already? Uh, Josh and Jesse told me to invite the whole church, so I'm inviting the whole, all I can say is I hope they got a lot of KFC buckets down there. Uh, uh, so we're extending that to you guys, 12 o'clock, uh, if you want to come and enjoy some food fellowship as uh, this little baby celebrates a year. All right, let's get the little ones. If you're heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, come on, make your way this morning. Children's Church, Junior Church, come on quickly, make your way this morning. You're visiting. They're going to come around and collect any loose change you got. This is our penny march.
head to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on. Junior Church, come make your way this morning. so much appreciate it gentlemen make your way down this morning if you would please as you give your tithes and offerings on this last service of 2018 hard to believe that you be obedient unto the lord whoever's singing that first song y'all come on lydia first one you're singing yeah we'll do the other one in a little bit i want you to pray let's ask god's blessings upon the offering today father we love you lord we are so grateful just for an opportunity to give back that which portion you have blessed us lord i pray that you'd bless this offering today Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us just to praise you. Lord, I ask that you would speak through the word this morning and through the singing. In Christ's name, amen. Do you know how it feels to know something's missing and hear a smell voice? Ain't something's dismissing Do you know how it feels To be troubled inside To think just for you On a cross someone died
you so much. I was uh, listening to uh, the practice that my daughter was on the schedule to sing today, and I was listening to her practice a few songs with a couple different folks, and uh, I liked both of the songs, so I said, just sing them both. Um, I want, you to, I want to give you one more prayer request this morning. We mentioned this downstairs in my Bible study Sunday school class. Pray for Brother Bobby of Church's brother-in-law. Uh, a lot of you know him. He has sung here with Bobby and Bobby's uh, sister. Uh, he's got stage 4 pancreatic cancer as well. Uh, and is not taking any treatment. And it's, of course, uh, uh, progressing rapidly. So pray. To, remind me his name, Brother Bobby. Philip. Pray, pray for Philip, if you would. Again, this is another Kyla song, and I sure love the words to it. Uh, God has been so good to me. You listen to it as they sing.
Amen. Turn on your Bibles this morning. Song of Solomon, please. Song of Solomon, chapter number two. God's been good to you. Say amen. amen. What a blessing. Love that line. It is my greatest honor to bow at his feet. God has been so good to me. Song of Solomon, chapter number two. I love to give you backgrounds now for some of the reasons I think the Lord lays messages upon our heart, my heart. And uh, this one has got a rather lengthy story, but I think it'll put a smile on your face. This past week, as uh, I had a couple of days at home, Renee and I were working on uh, cleaning up a bit and decluttering and trying to get some stuff moved around since Lydia had moved out and Christmas and all of that stuff. And uh, things pile up quickly, as you know, and time moves rather fast. So we took the couple of days to try to just do some work around the house. And as I was, as we were packing up, especially from our, some of our stuff downstairs, I came across uh, the, the little picture books. And if you remember when you were in elementary school, you used to get these little books that had the class pictures in them. I had the teacher and all the students. And of course, most of you know, I taught third grade for 12 years at Druid Hills Elementary, loved every minute of it. I found one of those and was flipping through them uh, and just reminiscing. I found several of them and I was flipping through them. And I came across one of them that was my third or fourth year teaching. I can't remember. And uh, I landed upon one of my students that I had that I absolutely loved this kid. He was an absolute riot. And the reason I loved him is he was a pastor's son. He was, and I had him before I started pastoring, actually, uh, but he was a hoot, uh, big guy, uh, African-American pastor. In fact, if I told you his name, you'd know him because his dad still pastors. I'm not going to do that, but uh, he was just uh, hysterical. He always, I, I knew he was going to grow up to be a preacher because he had a funny comment for everything everybody said. Well, my wife has always been engaged with me in the work that I did, and so sometimes I'd do a little party, and she'd bring something. She'd bring cupcakes or she whatever I was doing. If it was a holiday party, whatever, she'd bring something. Well, every time my wife walked in the room to see me, he had something funny to say. It started with things like, Miss Hodges, are you the cream in his coffee? And I know that these were things he was hearing either at church that his dad was saying or at home. And it got to the point where they were so funny, I started writing them down. So I, when I picked up this, this little picture book, I flipped to the back and I had written down several of the things he had said as Renee would walk into my office. Are you ready? <clears throat> she came in one time and said, Miss Hodges, are you the cream in his coffee? Came in the next time. Miss Hodges, are you the sail on his love boat? <laughs> Great. She came in one time and he said, Miss Hodges, are you the cinnamon on his toast crunch? <laughs> I just an absolute hoot. Absolute hoot. As I was looking through these, my mind went to Song of Solomon. And that may seem like a strange leap. I'm convinced that Song of Solomon is probably the least preached book in the Bible. To be honest with you, there's a lot of preachers that are just scared of it. Because when you read Song of Solomon, it takes a very beautiful but candid look at the relationship between a husband and a wife. And the love language that the two of them share in this book is very intimate. 
In fact, again, I think it's one of the reasons why preachers are afraid of it. Can I pause just a moment and say, in this day and age, we don't need to be afraid of this. We need to be preaching this. Because the marriage relationship is the most beautiful, sacred thing that we have this side of heaven. It typifies and symbolizes the marriage relationship that we have with uh, Christ as our bridegroom and we are the bride. So there are lots of applications that you could look at when you look at Song of Solomon. And one of them is this ideology, this importance of the communication, the love language, the back and forth uh, between the bridegroom and the bride. Beautiful. And I encourage you, if you haven't read it, uh, 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 take some time to do so. But there is a different application that I want to look at. Again, there are lots of ways you can look at this. But what I want to look at is very much in line with what this young man kept saying when he would say something every time my wife would walk in. Look at chapter 2, if you would, please. Verse number 1. Notice what it says. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. Verse 2. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. By the way, let me pause a moment. This is the bridegroom speaking about the bride. This is Solomon speaking about his new bride. Verse 2 again. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Beautiful, beautiful language. You can continue to read. And the language, the intimacy, the conversation that occurs between this husband and this wife is really breathtaking. It's a reminder to us as married couples about the importance of open communication. But it's also a reminder to us about the intimacy in a physical yet a spiritual sense between the husband and the wife. Important applications. But I want to look at this from an entirely different viewpoint this morning. Because one of the beautiful applications of this text is the reminder that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And can I remind you this morning that as his bride, he loves us. That may sound very simple to you, but I'm increasingly, as I've gotten older in my life, been blown away by the fact that I love him. That doesn't surprise me. But what blows me away is that he loves me. You see, I know me. I know my faults, and I know my failures, and I know my sins, and I know my shortcomings. But for some reason, He loves me anyway. I've said this to you a thousand times, and I hope you'll appreciate what I say, what I, what I mean when I say it. If you knew me like I know me, you wouldn't come hear me preach. But that's okay, because if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't waste my time preaching on you. <laughs> We're all in the same boat, church. We're just sinners saved by grace. What a beautiful picture. Father, thank you for the time this morning. For the reminder of the beautiful relationship between the husband and wife. Lord, as we look this morning about the beautiful picture of the bride and the bridegroom. 
Lord, help us be reminded of the fact that, God, despite our failures, our sins, our shortcomings, you love us anyway. For some reason, Lord, you, you take us just as we are. Lord, you love us enough to come get us right where we are, but you love us too much to leave us there. Lord, I want to say that again. You love us enough to come right where we are and snatch us up, but you love us too much to leave us there. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the preaching this morning. Lord, I pray that you would anoint it with your power. Hide me behind the cross. May I not say anything that you don't want said and say everything that you want said. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The title of the message this morning is taken directly from the first clause of verse number 2. The lily among the thorns. The lily among the thorns. As I was reflecting back this week and looking through that yearbook and looking at all the little sayings, there's about a dozen of them that he said. In fact, one of them uh, uh, that he wrote, I didn't put it on my notes, but he, he, he loved this one. This one was his favorite, I think. He would, every time she'd walk in, he'd say, Miss Hodges, are you the cream in his Oreo? And as I would gain weight, one time he even said, I think it's double stuffed. <laughs> But what I jumped to this morning was this reality that in this conversation between this husband and this wife, representing the bride and the bridegroom, he says, as the lily among thorns, talking about his bride, as the lily among thorns. And so I went to this quick question, why a lily? Why did he not color a rose? Why did he not call her some other beautiful flower? Why a lily among the thorns? And so I began to do a little study, a little research to look at this. And there are lots of reasons, I believe, why the Lord references the bride and in so doing us, the church, as the lily among thorns. I want to give you three things this morning. Note with me, first of all, if you would please, what I'm calling a perfect comparison. A perfect comparison. In verse number 2, the bridegroom compares his bride to a flower when he says, As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. I believe you would amen me this morning that embedded in this verse is the idea of her attractiveness. The idea of the bride's attractiveness. You see, by comparing her to a lily, he is discussing the fact uh, that she is one of the most beautiful specimens he's ever seen. Those of you who are into flowers, you know this, that a lily in many parts of the world is recognized as the most beautiful flower. In some parts of the world, it is valued more than a rose. People compete across the world to grow and cultivate the most beautiful lily. And to have a prize-winning lily is something of great value. It is something that people brag about. It's something that people work for because it is something that is so rare, so highly esteemed, that people cultivate and work for years to grow an award-winning lily. And so when this bridegroom looks at his bride his beloved his new wife he says to her if I may paraphrase you are as beautiful as any lily that I've ever seen this may not mean much to you but I'd encourage you this morning when you get home go back and read chapter number one 
Read verses 5 and 6 at how this bride actually compares herself, how she describes herself. She didn't find herself attractive. In fact, when you read this, you will quickly discover that the bride, we don't know her name, that the bride was in fact a field hand. She was a servant. She wasn't born into royalty like Solomon was. She didn't have royal blood. She wasn't introduced to Solomon through some royal acquaintance. She was nothing more than a servant. And pardon me for saying that she was a slave by definition. But one day, hear me, she caught the eye of the king. Hell man, one day uh, while strolling through, uh, the bridegroom Solomon's eyes uh, landed upon her uh, and there was something about her uh, that he found attractive. And so when he saw her, he liked what he saw. Can I pause just a moment and say, if you've ever been a born again child of God, uh, that describes you. There is nothing, I hope you'll amen me, there is nothing about you uh, that warrants the love that God gives you. There is nothing good that you've ever done, no works that you've ever done, no good deeds that you've ever done. There's nothing that you could do that would warrant the grace that God gives you. Here's the simple reality. You were a slave to sin. I was a slave to sin. You were a slave to the flesh. I was a slave to the flesh. But thank God one day we caught the eye of the king. Thank God one day as the king passed our way, he saw us and there was something in us that warranted his attention attention. I say this all the time. It doesn't surprise me that I love him, but what blows me away is that he loves me. I don't know why he loves me, but I'm glad he does. I don't know why he takes care of me, but I'm glad he does. I don't know why he's so good to me, but I'm glad he is. Her attractiveness. Notice not only her attractiveness, but I want you to notice also her aroma. Her aroma. I think one of the reasons that Solomon uses the comparison of the lily among all the other flowers, is that the aroma and the fragrance of the lily is absolutely unmistakable. In fact, science tells us that the lily gives off an incredibly powerful fragrance. Lotions, oils, perfumes all try to imitate to some degree the smell of the lily and in fact it is a smell that is unmistakable may i pause just a moment and remind all of us what it says in second corinthians chapter 2 verse 15 that a life that is dedicated to god is a sweet savor unto his nostrils i hope you'll amen me when i say this Sin, when it takes over a life, doesn't just look bad. Sometimes it smells bad. When sin begins to take over and wreak its destruction upon a life, it doesn't just look bad on the outside. It smells bad. May I say to you, a clean, holy life not only looks good, but according to God, it smells good to his nostrils. Romans 12 reminds us, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. A living what? Sacrifice. Do you know what comes off of a sacrifice? An aroma, a smell, incense. It was that smell that would waft to the nostrils of God and be reminded that a sacrifice had been made. When you live for God, it doesn't just look good on the outside. It is pleasing to the nostrils of God in a spiritual sense. Her attractiveness, her aroma, 
Think with me. Her ability. Her ability. I knew this when I started studying it, but I was glad to be reminded that lilies are perennials. Perennials. There are two kinds of flowers, church. Most of you know this. They're annuals and they're perennials. Annuals, like a marigold, a petunia. They live once. You plant them. They bloom throughout the blooming season. After that, they are dead. But perennials, uh, if cultivated correctly, if planted correctly, if tended to correctly, they're not a one and done. They will regrow and rebloom. They'll bloom again. They'll die in the winter. They'll grow. They'll bloom again. They'll die in the winter. Renee and I have been married now 26 years this month. Shortly after we got married, we moved back here from Newport News after I finished my education. We moved back here, moved into a little trailer for where we lived for eight years. And while we were there, she planted in these large black cauldrons some lily of the valley and some tiger lilies. We've been now in our house for 14 years, and those lilies are still blooming. When we moved from our trailer to our house, she dug them up, she brought them with us, and now they're in the backyard. And every spring, these red and white tiger lilies bloom, and their heads pop up. They've been blooming now for more than 20-some years. Why? They're perennials. They possess within them the ability to reborn and regrow. You don't have to do anything. If you do it correctly, it reblooms every year. Can I pause a moment and say, church, as God's lilies, uh, we have within us uh, the ability uh, to spread the reproductive nature of God's kingdom. What do I mean? God did not save us to sit on the seat of do nothing. Let me say that again. God did not save us uh, just to sit around and celebrate. Don't misunderstand me. It's good to be saved, uh, but it's always better when you can share that with somebody else. Uh, It is always better uh, when you can share what God has done. We have within us the ability uh, to reproduce life by by sharing the gospel. We're not doing the work. It's God that does the work. Uh, But he saves us uh, to be the instrument to show others how to be saved. Notice this morning. Number one. Talked about a perfect comparison. And my favorite part, number two, a pointed contrast. A pointed contrast. In Scripture, especially in the poetic books of the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, when you look at these poetic books, they are rife with what we call today figurative language, similes and metaphors, language that is poetic in nature. Language that compares one thing to another as a lily among thorns. Or in this case, contrasts one thing to something else. And in this case, uh, verse number 1 tells us very clearly that the bridegroom is uh, the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. And then in verse number 2, he says that his bride is as the lily among thorns. Hear me now. In verse number 1, he's talking about himself. The lily of the valley. He says, he's the rose of Sharon. I hope your King James Bible starts off by saying, I am the rose of Sharon. The lily of the valley. He's talking about himself. Then he directs his attention in verse number 2 by saying, as a lily among thorns. Now he's not talking about himself. He's talking about his bride. And he gives a very pointed contrast. As a lily among thorns. Thorns. Interestingly, the rose of Sharon doesn't have thorns. The lily of the valley 
doesn't have thorns. But the lily to which the bride is being compared uh, stands out because it is among thorns. What does that mean, Pastor Greg? I want you to notice, first of all, the lily's prominence. The lily's prominence. While the thorns are all around, the lily tends to stand out with its head held high. I hearken back to the tiger lilies that my wife has had bloom now for some nearly 22 years. When you try to pull those up after they're dead, if you're not careful, uh, you can pull them up and prick yourself. Because prior to them really dying, uh, there's some itty-bitty tiny thorns that if you're not careful, uh, you can really scrape and do some damage to your hand. Almost invisible. There are some species of lilies uh, that are replete with thorns. Uh, some scientists will say that those are protective in nature. Uh, but what's always fascinating about this uh, is that amongst the thorns, which by the way is a reminder of the past... Go back and read Genesis and you will find that thorns are a reminder of the past. Uh, what is so surprising is that in the midst of the thorns, the, the lily stands with its head held high. Can I pause a moment and remind all of us, church, uh, that when God saved us, He expects us to bloom right where we're planted. I hear people say all the time, if I can get to here, if God will put me there, I can live for God if I can get to X. If you don't live for God right where you are now, you will not live for God anyplace else. And may I also remind you that when you are surrounded by the thorns of this world, you can hold your head high and that's what makes you stand out as a believer. I say it like this, the light shines brightest when it's the darkest around. It's easy to shine bright when everybody else is lit up. But when you shine in darkness, that's when God can use you, folks. Her appearance is so perfect. Her prominence is so perfect. It's a man. Can, can, I, in this day and age where Christians are trying so hard to blend in with the world. Mm -hmm. In this day and age where Christians are doing everything possible to be like the world, can I remind us that we are commanded to be different from the world? God didn't save us to go back into the pig pen that He saved us out of. God saved us, rescued us out of the muck and the mire. He saved us to be different. We're not holier than thou. We don't walk around with our noses held high. We're not better than anybody. We just know somebody good. We're not good. We just met somebody good. We're not better than anybody. We just met somebody better than everybody. It is that simple reality, folks. He saved us. He set us free. He expects us to live a life different than what he saved us out of. Notice, not only her prominence, but her position. I have to tell you, I had to, I had to get some multiple sources on this one. Because as I read this to begin with, I thought, man, this is too good to be true. I can't believe this to be correct. Then I went back and checked a few other sources, and indeed, it is. The shape of the lily, or the position of the lily, is very unique in the flower world. If you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, you might find, if you look at the lilies, that most of them have their heads facing downward. As the sun begins to rise, the lily's head begins to rise. I don't know about you, but I got goosebumps all over me already. I ain't even got to the point yet. As that sun takes to the atmosphere, reaches its highest point, get which direction the lily's head is facing. Straight to the sun. As the sun begins to continue the other side, guess which way the lily's head goes? The other direction. So from sun up 
to sundown, the lily traces the pathway of the sun. Why? It's from the sun it draws its strength. Say amen right there. It's from the sun it draws its power. Uh, it needs to be... It needs... Amen. Yeah, I'm going to spit all over you, buddy. I can just tell you right now. It needs to be facing the sun in order to thrive. Can I just park here for a second? One of the reasons so many believers struggle today is they try to live a life absent the sun. I'm not talking about the S-U-N. I'm talking about the S-O-N. You want to thrive in your life? You want your life to be productive? You want to be good so that God can bless your life? You stay facing the S-O-N and you will find out that life is not full of obstacles but life is full of times for God to bring you through because you've got your eyes planted on Him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Notice, not only her prominence, her position. I want you to note with me her, number three, her possessions. I've already mentioned to you that thorns are a mark of the curse. You don't have to turn here. Genesis three seventeen says, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. You see, folks, listen now. The fact that lilies bloom among thorns, it's a product of grace. The fact that lilies thrive in the midst of thorns, it's a product of grace. Would you amen me this morning? This bride is who she is because the bridegroom found her. Prior to being found and chosen by the bridegroom... She was a servant girl. Go back and read chapter 1, especially verses 5 and 6, about how she describes herself. When talking about herself, there was nothing she found attractive. In fact, she describes herself as anything but attractive. In reality, uh, thorns are a reminder of our past, uh, but the lily is a reminder of our present and our future. Uh, would you amen me this morning? Thank God He is not a God of our past. He's a God of our present, and He's a God of our future. I don't know about you, but there are times when my enemy tries to remind me of what I used to be, remind me of my past. I ask God once again to forgive me. He doesn't even know what I'm talking about because that's been forgiven. Number one this morning. Note with me if you would. Number one, a perfect comparison. Number two, a pointed contrast. Finally, number three, a priceless comfort. Knowing that the bridegroom loved her. You keep, you keep reading Song of Solomon. You'll find that knowing that the bridegroom loved her brought her incredible comfort. There's a passage in there where he disappears temporarily. At least in her mind, she can't find him. I don't want to be too... Too blunt, but she literally just about goes insane looking for him. She is so enraptured, so in love, that she wants to be in his presence. And when he's not with her, she literally says, a piece of me is gone. Again, a beautiful analogy between the relationship of the husband and wife. But in this particular analogy, in this application, here's what I want you to understand. The bridegroom chose the bride 
Let me park a minute. Because you have to understand something. It would be no surprise for this bride or this young servant girl to be in the field working and Solomon to be walking through and her to look at him and say, look at him, he's incredible. It's what you'd expect. You'd expect for the, the servant girl to look at the king and say, oh my goodness, uh, he's majestic, he's incredible, uh, he's everything I've ever wanted. What is staggering is when he looks at her and says, I choose you. I want you. Can I remind you folks, one of the great dangers of people today is for them to say something very silly like, I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. I've been preaching for 25 years now, and I've heard it said hundreds of times. You don't get saved when you're good and ready. You've heard me say this enough times to know, when the Holy Spirit is beckoning you, when it's drawing you, when it's pulling you, that's the time you better take action because there is no guarantee that you'll have tomorrow, number one, and no guarantee that there'll be a beckoning presence of the Lord tomorrow. He chooses us. Not only does He choose us, He claims us. Stay with me. Chapter 1, please. All Song of Solomon. Look at chapter 1 quickly. Look at verse 15. Chapter 1, verse 15. A word in some verses that is often overlooked but also important. Verse 15. Behold, thou art... This is the bridegroom speaking about the bride. Thou art fair, my love. If you write in your Bibles, would you circle that word, my? Look over to chapter 2, verse 2. Now this is the bridegroom speaking about the bride. As the lily among thorns, so is my love. Go to chapter 6 if you would please. Flip the page go to chapter 6. This is the bridegroom now speaking again. Thou art beautiful O my love. As tears up, comely as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. Turn away thine eyes from me, for they have overcome me. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Gilead. Thy teeth are as a flock of sheep. And you continue to read over and over. He references the fact that she belongs to him. He says, you're mine. And when she references him, he says, she says, he's mine. I'm going to put it to you another way. You've heard me say it a thousand times. Let me say it like this. It's no surprise that I claim him, but it's pretty astounding that he claims me. It blows my mind that he claims me. Sometimes I wonder if people aren't somewhat ashamed of their Christian faith. May I just be blunt and say it was a great day in my life when I decided... That I can walk among anybody, anywhere and hold my head up high and say, I'm a born again child of God. It was a great day in my life when I decided many years ago that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, but thank God also to the Greek. I am not ashamed to be a child of God. Not ashamed to say I'm a Christian. Not ashamed to say I'm born again. I make no qualms about it. In fact, I'm kind of proud of it. Why? Because he claims me. He claims me. Finally this morning, not only does he choose us, not only does he claim us, this might surprise you, he cheers us. What do I mean? When I'm sad, 
thing that makes me happy is knowing I'm a child of the king. Go with me quickly. We're done this morning. Look at chapter 5, please, verse 10. This is the bride speaking about her husband. In fact, let's go back to verse number 9. Beautiful imagery here. Much like a Greek play, there is a chorus of women. In fact, if you read Euripides, Sophocles, and any of the other Greek tragedies or Greek plays, there's always what's called a chorus. And many of the actors will respond to the questions presented by the chorus. This is written in much the same way. In this case, the chorus, or what we might call a choir, is of women asking a question of the bride. And so in verse number 9, they ask the bride, What is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women, what is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? In other words, they say, What's so special about your husband? You over here bragging about how good your man is. What is so good about your boo? Here's what she says. My beloved is white and ruddy. The chiefest among 10,000. You go on and read and read and read. And she begins to describe him in the most beautiful and elegant words possible. Again, the application between the husband and wife here is so real, so important. Can I, can I run a rabbit trail for just a moment? Husbands, wives, look at me. Anytime you've got the opportunity to brag publicly on your spouse, do it. And don't ever make the mistake of criticizing your spouse in front of somebody else. Ever. I promise you, that's where Satan will infiltrate and wreak damage you never thought possible. One of the, I'm still on the rabbit trail. One of the greatest messages I ever heard is how Satan has the counterfeit out there. You see, most of us are happy with about 90% of our life, and it's that 10% that gnaws at us. And there's an awful lot of people who dwell on the 10%, and they give up the 90% trying to pursue the 10%. And when they get the 10%, they realize that the 10 was never worth the 90 they gave up. That was free of charge. You read chapter 5, and she brags and brags and brags about her husband over and over and over. In fact, it's almost as if she just can't say enough. She just can't come up with enough words. She uses the phrases like the fairest among 10,000, altogether lovely. Can I, can I paraphrase this? She says, I just don't have the words. I don't have the vocabulary to tell you how good he is. I have a thousand stories and illustrations. I'll close with this one that I have shared here publicly before. It's been a few years, but I think it is probably my favorite illustration of the thousands that I have. In the 20th century, there was a biblical scholar who was, by all accounts, among the most brilliant theologians to ever breathe. Dr. Karl Barth. Now, I may not have dotted my I's and crossed my T's the way he does on some issues, but he was absolutely brilliant. In fact, many scholars call him the 20th century theologian. He was prolific in his writing, wrote volumes about the Christian faith. Shortly towards the end of his life, or the end of his career, I should say, he was lecturing at Princeton University. In the theological seminary, when a student asked him the greatest truth that he'd ever learned. 
You got to understand, this is a man who was beyond brilliant. A man who had written volumes. A man whose mind was absolutely unbelievable. And who could argue, if you will, if you'll accept that, about the importance and the reality of the Christian faith. Dr. Barr thought for a moment. Took off his glasses, laid them on the lectern. Took out a handkerchief and began wiping tears from his eyes. He looked up the classroom of young preachers and said, and I quote, Gentlemen, spent my entire life studying the great doctrines of the faith. I have poured over manuscripts. I've analyzed the writings of the most brilliant Christian minds. But the simple reality is the greatest truth I have ever learned is this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'll close the same way I opened. It's not a surprise that I love him. But what is staggering is that he loves me. Can we sing that for invitation, Brother Ken? Let's stand to our feet this morning. All over the building. Lily among thorns. So is my bridegroom. By design this morning, you can look this way for just a second. By design this morning, the songs that we sung about were meant to convey the message of how good God is to us. For a lot of folks in here, I by no means am I minimizing some really tragic experiences and difficulties and storms that you've navigated through in 2018. Let me make another sobering statement. If you look around this last service of 2018, there are some folks who were here at the last service of 2017 aren't here today God's called them home and in all likelihood if the pattern sustains we'll, we'll be at the last service of 2019 if God tarries and there won't be everybody here and I can promise you there'll be a lot of storms there'll be a lot of difficulties there'll be cancer diagnoses there'll be funerals there'll be lost circumstances and trials that you have to navigate but one thing will never change Jesus loves me. Sign up. For my Bible tells me so. So I want you to bow your heads this morning. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. You've been so kind. I want to ask you. If you're here today and you know Him as Lord and Savior of your life, you're not ashamed of that. Would you just slip your head up, your hand up? Give him thanks this morning. You can put him down. Thank you for salvation. Now, is there anybody here this morning that would be candid and say, Pastor Greg, I couldn't raise my hand. I know about him, but I've never been born again. I've never been saved. Pray for me. Anyone like that this morning? I'm going to ask you a second question. I tend to ask this the last service of every year, and I'm going to ask it again. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're here today and there's someone in your life, 
friend, family member. You can see their face right now that you know are not saved. You want 2019 to be that year. You're asking God to use you as the agent through which they might come to know Jesus Christ. Why don't you step out right now? Come on, all over the building. I see a lot of folks moving from every part of the aisle. Come on. Come on, quickly. Brother Ken, let's sing a verse of this. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Remember, no services tonight, but we have the watch night service tomorrow night beginning at 7.30. Thank you for being here, Brother Ken. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for this message you brought by our way today. And Father, help us, Lord, to continue to ponder on the thought, God, how much you love us. Father, we can never love you more than you love us, Father. And we sure are thankful that you allowed your son to go to Calvary's cross to die for our sins. Father, we're not worthy of so great a salvation. Father, we're just old wretched sinners. God, but you look down from heaven. Had enough love for us, God, to allow your son to die on Calvary's cross. God, we sure do love you. God, it's only because you first loved us. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.